What's happening, competitors? On this week's episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast, we talk to mental performance coach of Mentally Strong Consulting, Cassie Weaver, on how we build the mindset for life so that you can set up your best year yet in 2020. Welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast, competitors. My name's Jake Thompson. I'm the founder here at Compete Every Day and your host each week on the Compete Podcast. I'm excited as and Cassie Weaver to today's show to talk about her time as a college athlete, as a mental performance coach, and as well as a college sports coach. You're going to get a lot out of this conversation as we talk about some of her early struggles mentally with sports, how she transitioned from individual sport to a team sport, and what that has to do with us here today in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s in our career. How do we handle changes in our situation, changes in our environment, focusing on team goals and individual goals? And so there's a lot of value in this conversation. If you're listening to this as the episode dropped on December 23rd, I just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday Season. It is here. Uh, Can you believe that we have eight days left in 2019? Eight days left. It's easy to check out. It's easy to coast, to cancel the next couple weeks of workouts, to binge on junk food, uh, to spend time doing anything but working on your goals. But my challenge to you is to set aside 15, 20 minutes a day, five days a week. That's over the next eight days, you can make five to seven, hell, if you're ambitious, eight days worth of progress towards your goals. You can get set up for 2020. And if you haven't taken the time yet, I want to challenge you to use those 15 minutes to plot out your 2020. What are the things you want to achieve this coming year? What are the habits you plan to build this coming year? What are the the life lessons and goals and achievements that you want to have this year? It's not about going massive in our initial goals and our daily changes. We don't want to change everything overnight. Instead, we want to make small incremental changes. And I'll get into that on a future episode, but know this. I want you to set a sight on a goal that you're confident you can achieve. Then I want you to extend that just a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Get it to where a point that you're not sure if you're going to hit that mark or not. It's going to force you to grow, to step into someone else to hit that mark. And so that's my challenge to you when you spend the next eight days setting aside 15 minutes a day. That's not that much. Heck, that's two hours total in the next week, little over next week. And so do that to set yourself up so that you have a game plan going into 2020. You have a focus. Don't wait till January 1st. Most people, you know, wait till January 1st and then, oh, they're back at work on January 2nd. They've already forgot what they've planned. Or they go too big, they try to bite off too much, they're going to change the world overnight. And then, like statistics say, over 80% of them will have quit before the third week of January is up. So, challenge to you competitors, take 15 minutes a day for the next 8 days, plot out your 2020 goals, update the habits that you want to build or the ones you need to break. Start focusing on how you're going to make this coming year your best year yet, and absolutely tune in to next week's episode on January 1st as I tell you how you can go 366-0, how you can go undefeated in 2020 with the daily process I use that 10x'd my productivity, my focus, and my output of how I'm able to create content, travel, speaking, uh, build and compete with our team. This one exercise in next week's uh, episode can be a game changer for you. 
So tune in next week. It's dropping New Year's Day, January 1st, so you get fired up and start the year straight. But hey, enough about that. If you want to reach out to the show over the holiday season, I will still be answering emails, so shoot me a note to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Check it out. And if you haven't heard yet, our 2020 club is available. We still have a handful of spots remaining, and so if you want to join our annual Shirt of the Month club, there are two options. You can join annually or you can join monthly. If you want to get in for a quarter, check it out, get three or four shirts. But know this, if you join annually, you have a ton of perks, including a 25% off discount code you can use year-round, a 35% off discount code you can use for any pre-order we release this year. You get a 30-minute coaching call with me to help you set up your focus and targets for 2020. Oh, and if you're in the first 100, you'll even get one of our brand new Velcro patches free of charge. So sign up. Each month, you'll get delivered a new shirt, a new wristband, and a brand new sticker right to your mailbox so that you stay motivated to crush your year all year long. Now, let's welcome to the show my good friend, sports psychologist, mental performance coach, Cassie Weaver. Welcome to the Compete Podcast. Thanks for having me, Jake. I'm so excited. I am. Uh, I'm excited for this conversation. We have a handful of mutual connections. I know Dr. Sindra was on the show earlier this year as well. Uh, in addition to connections with James Leith, who's been on the show, and and I've had the chance to follow your work. Uh, so I know our guests are going to love today's conversation. But before we dive in, I've got a question. I'm going to throw you a curveball. What does being mentally strong mean to you? question i really think you know when i think about mental mentally tough athletes or being being mentally strong i think about athletes that can compete at their best really no matter what the circumstances so oftentimes i'll give the example of maybe one of the hardest times to be at your be at your best is when you're in the middle of the season and um, specifically working with high school or collegiate athletes they got a lot going on you know in the middle of their season and their semester um, and so during that time, are they able to perform their best in practice and games? And then again, like really at the end of their season and um, whether it's, you know, the state championship or the national championship, do they have all the tools that they really need to really compete at their best? Um, and so I think that's really what it's about is really challenging yourself to be mentally tough every single time you step out on the arena. I love it. I love it. So you were a college athlete and then transitioned to a coach and now you're coaching in just a little bit different vein. So what about kind of your playing career ultimately started encouraging you or pushing you to go down this path of working in mental performance? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> been a funny road to get to the place where, where I am now. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, what I wanted to be when I grew up, um, I might have said coaching, but I think I was kind of down the road of working in, in sports business. And so sports has been my life forever. Um, it's hands down. Um, one of the most, uh, enjoyable parts of my life is always been surrounded by athletes and coaches and just watching sport. Um, I'm just fascinated with peak performance. So, um, as an athlete myself, you know, before, before I played collegiate volleyball, I was a, a gymnast, um, from the age of just two until I was, uh, 16 years old when I quit the sport. And so, um, unfortunately part of the reason why I quit the sport is because I really battled, um, 
mentally and developed some fears uh, throughout the sport that really prohibited me to reach my full potential. And so um, when I was done with that with gymnastics, my parents were like, well, you got way too much energy. You got to do something, take <laughs> anything. Um, and so um, I had dabbled in volleyball for a while, but you know, as a, you know, the transition from gymnastics to volleyball was actually a lot easier than anticipated just because of, you know, some athleticism and the fact that I had done it in the past. And so I, I had this level of confidence walking into um, the, the college that I competed at is Concordia St. Paul. And by the time that I got there, they had just won three in a row national championships. And so I was like, what? They want me? Like, I, I haven't really played that much before. So um, after having that kind of that level of confidence walking in, I quickly learned that everyone on that team was the best of their town. And so um, I started comparing myself quite a bit and all of a sudden making mistakes and feeling like uh, the pressure was just always on and I couldn't get it off. So I didn't perform very well in practice um, and the playing time that I did get my freshman, my sophomore year to the point that I got to this point where I said, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to transfer. This isn't fun anymore. And um, before my coach allowed me to do that, he said, I have someone that I'd like you to meet. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. Like, who do you, who do you want me to meet with? And he's like, well, he's a sports psychologist. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's a sports psychologist? I had never in my whole life had heard those two things together. And I think at the time there was a stigma around psychology where maybe I felt what he was saying to me was, um, there's something wrong with you. And that's not, that's not what he was saying. He said, there's something that's getting in your way of performing at your best. And so I met with the, the sports, sports psychologist on campus and it completely changed um, my game, my confidence and my everyday life, which was really cool that there was a lot of the things that he taught me that I used um, not only in school, but just in relationships and things like that. So um, that's I've, I've got to, I've got to point something that, that you said that I think, I mean, there's a few things we're going to go back to. I'm, I'm definitely pulling you back, but one of the <laughs> things that you said is, is the sports psychologist and the stigma around that. Yeah. And I, it's funny. I actually, this morning was writing a post on excuses and the point of getting past excuses. And, and I made the comment in it. I was like, Hey, listen, if you're someone that invests in working with a psychologist or mm -hmm. a mental performance coach or a therapist, like there should be no stigma around you wanting to get better and get over issues. I don't know why we have that, but like addressing that and the fact that like, we all have that from the outside. We're like, Oh, you're working with somebody. What's wrong. Instead of like, I want to get past something's not wrong with me, but something's in my way. And the way you phrased that was beautiful because it's like, I want to learn how to overcome this. Absolutely. And I really think that we're reaching a point now where, you know, the top athletes are really talking about how they're, how they're leveling up their performance and separating themselves from athletes that maybe are just as talented as them or athletically gifted, um, that they got to find an edge and finding that edge usually comes with an additional uh, coach or something like that. So so the, the other question I have for you is how tall are you? I am five, four and a half. Because normally when you think volleyball, you think really tall. And when you think gymnastics, you think really short. And so I, I found it very interesting that you bounce between that because those two sports are very different in a standpoint of not only from traditional stereotypes, but the mental side. Team sports are very different than individual sports in a lot of those cases. And so I'm curious if you've been able to reflect back a little bit about how the experience of growing up in a very individual sport and then trying your hand later in life at a team sport, what skills you picked up for maybe parents listening that kids are all at gymnastics or tennis 
and now they're getting into high school and they're having trouble acclimating maybe to team sports? Mm, good question. Um, I think individually, I fell in love at an early age with pushing my own self past what I thought was humanly possible and having coaches that, I mean, I had some really good role models, ones that told me like I could do anything that I set my mind to. And, you know, I had this positive mindset for such a long time when I was little that I learned how to battle the negative thoughts. And at the time, I didn't know that I was battling them, but really having um, both my parents and my coaches were really good about um, asking me like, what things like, do you feel like are within reach, but you just, you're just not there yet. So really helping me with like, oh, I can do this, or I can push myself to do that. So um, I think that that's a really helpful mentality to breed into athletics on the individual side. Um, and then as I flipped to the team side, it was a little bit of an adjustment because um, I had this mentality that it was always all about me and my success determined like that really just weighed on my shoulders. And when you're in a team sport, you, you learn to understand that you're not, not all eyes are on you all the time. So I think maybe part of my own mental struggle in team sports um, was, was maybe along the lines of I put too much pressure on myself instead of if I made a mistake, like my teammates can really help me with that. So um, I think that was probably something that was a new concept in team sports, um, really working together and leaning on your teammates when you really do need it. Well, and I love that because obviously in, in your profession now and, and from a career standpoint, both aspects of those learning were, cr were crucial. The elements and, and lessons you picked up from the individual side, and especially I, I love the fact of how your questions or the parents, the questions your parents would ask you about, what do you think you're capable of, but you're not quite there yet? It's a whole different conversation than just like, what do you want to achieve? What do you want to do? It's like, mm -hmm. where can we push you a little bit outside of your comfort zone and, and toward that growth? And then in the team side of, of it's not just all on my shoulders, you took responsibility for it, which is a, a sign of leadership, but you also started to understand like everyone else is contributing to this. Mm -hmm. So flash forward to college, you worked with the sports psychologist. It sounds like that sparked something into you, but you went into traditional sport coaching first. I did. Um, and what sparked that really, I mean, both my parents were coaches. So I think this whole, my whole lifetime, I was trying to be the oddball of the family. I mean, they were, they have their own volleyball company and it's just volleyball, volleyball, volleyball. So um, that's why I had cho chosen gymnastics to be honest, because my parents didn't know anything about gymnastics. And I, didn't, uh, I didn't have to be coached from home. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> um, however, they did a really good job when I, they were really hands off throughout the, the collegiate experience. But um, I had really wanted to go into sport business. And so I had an internship my last semester in college. I worked at USA Volleyball Corporate down in Colorado Springs, an amazing experience. I met some really awesome people. Um, but what I learned about myself is that I do not do well at sitting at a desk from eight to five. I'm way too busy for that. And I felt like I, there was just this piece that was missing that I, I wanted to work with people. And so an opportunity had fallen on my plate uh, to coach at Gustavus, a small uh, private school in Southern Minnesota. Um, and, you know, going from a championship program of winning four national championships, you know, in, the, in, in college, I walked into that experience again with this confidence that was quickly shattered by um, the, the, the players not really, I really learned in that moment how much it matters that coaches um, connect with their athletes so they know how much they care about the athletes and not as much of what they know. Um, 
And so our first season was, was awful. I mean, we, I think we were towards the bottom of the conference when I first got there. Um, we had a lot of talent and we worked hard, but um, we just couldn't put the pieces together. And so the next year we actually had brought in Dr. Kampoff um, to come work with our team and it was pivotal. Um, we, we don't talk about mental magic, but I really do think that that was the spark that helped our team um, go from the bottom of the conference to the top of the conference in just two years. I mean, the things that she talked about, uh, building confidence, becoming more consistent, um, really just having a, an unshakable belief and focus in what you're doing in practice and competition was really what brought our team to the, you know, the national tournament, our, I think our second, my second or third year there. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, but. no, no, no. That's, that's <laughs> fantastic. Well, and it, it's maybe not mental quote magic, but the intangibles are so crucial in sports. And for people that never played it or never played it at a high level, it, it's really difficult for them to understand. Um, I laugh about the, the armchair quarterbacks on Monday morning. Like it's difficult for them to understand the importance of, of teamwork and consistency and focus. And, and especially in a team setting where every individual, like their play affects other play on the court or on the field, like a left guard misses a block. Mm -hmm. quarterback may throw an interception because they got hit like there's so many different pieces and so the ability to have your team focused and tied in is huge and, and then the other piece you said that I, I've loved because it's been echoed on the show over the last couple of years is the idea if a coach can get to a player's heart they can get to their head like if mm -hmm. you can get in that connection and they know you care the players are going to play hard they're going to do the work because they know you care about them and it's not just mm -hmm. about you as the coach mm -hmm. so you worked with dr campoff and then now you're working with dr campoff so tell <laughs> me how you got involved with mentally strong yeah so right after she had worked with our team actually it was kind of like an epiphany for me that was like whoa there's something else to just being the most talented team. And, you know, I would say that my coach in college is, is a sports psychologist in his own. I think he, he prepared us in a way to win national championships that a lot of coaches don't quite yet understand. And I'm still trying to put my finger on it too, of what exactly was that, that has made him so successful. But um, in the coaching realm, I would say that I did feel like at a one point there was, there was more to the piece of puzzle. I can, I can coach the physical, the technical, the tactical part of the game, but what I hadn't yet understood completely is when, you're, when your talent level is the same as another team, what is it that really separates you? What's that gap? And so I was so curious about it that I actually um, pursued my master's degree in Dr. Kampoff's program at Minnesota State uh, University, Mankato. And at that point, I was still thinking, I'm just going to continue this coaching route. I love it. It's fun. Um, and my first year after, you know, the program, I obtained an internship at IMG Academy in, in Bradenton, Florida, a very prestigious boarding school for elite athletes. And I was on their mental conditioning team. And when I left there, I was like, there is no better job in the entire world. And I got to figure out how I'm going to make this work. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, you know, long story short, I, um, graduated from Minnesota state and then, uh, Dr. Kampoff had been thinking about starting a company to reach more athletes in the twin cities. And it was just a, it was kind of like a perfect time and place for both of us to really do this work, um, with athletes. So, and yeah. so now, now you're working with high school athletes, college athletes, tell me a little bit of what your week looks like. 
Oh boy. Uh, I, I like told you before, I have way too much energy to know what to do with. So it's a good thing that, um, <laughs> that it's different every single day. But um, as far as working, you know, we work in team settings. We work one-on-one -on -one, uh, with athletes as well from right now, the middle school level, all the way through the, the collegiate and the, and the professional level as well. So uh, the team workshops, we, we work with the coach extensively to figure out where are the gaps in what they're, they're learning. So for example, one team, one team's coach, um, I'm working with a boys basketball team right now and, and they got a brand, they got a brand new squad this year. So they graduated quite a few. So for him, he, he really wants to work on kind of like the, the togetherness and trusting and believing in each other's gifts and talents and finding out what those are. And then you have, you know, you have some other teams that are a little bit, you know, more veteran that might be, really focused on playing under pressure because that's where they really struggle. So, I mean, between probably three and five team workshops a week, and then uh, we got a handful of individuals that we're helping out as well right now too. Hey competitors, wanted to take a minute to tell you that you can save 15% on any order this month by using the code MERRYCHRISTMAS at competeeveryday.com. That's the code Merry Christmas, all one word. We'll get you 15% off any order at competeeveryday.com. Now, back to the show. Well, I mean, and that's got to be an exciting work because you're obviously still studying and learning and consuming as Dr. Campbell is. That's the one thing I really enjoyed about my conversation with her and the one thing I've enjoyed about a handful of people in your space that I've been able to connect with is it's a continual game of learning. And me, on one hand, I laugh, I dive into the sports psychology a little bit, at leadership. But I was like, when I was in school, I was like, I can't wait to be done reading and studying. <laughs> and now I'm like, I love it. Like, what's going on? I can't get enough. Yeah. Who are you? Like, where are you? What are you reading now? What are you consuming to, to stay top of mind and on your game besides the work you're obviously doing there with Dr. Syndra? Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of, you know, our work is so much grounded in the research and the science that I really, you know, stay up to date on um, like new research articles in our journal of sports psychology is, you know, a great bedtime reading tool for me right now. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, I think Twitter is such a great, um, a great relevant source right now where a lot of coaches and athletic programs are pumping out some content about how they're integrating mental training, whether, you know, it's a full-time sports psychologist that the, that the school has hired or um, hiring like from without, with outside the organization as well. Um, and so just, I can soak up anything on Twitter. I should really monitor my time a little bit, probably, <laughs> but I get so engrossed in some of that stuff that it's awesome. Um, right now, I, I'm really fascinated with learning more about the Navy SEALs and the training that they do. So the book that I'm reading right now is called The Way of the Seal, um, yep. Mark Devine. Um, he's a phenomenal writer and the way that he can take really complex concepts and make them a lot easier to understand, I think is an art that I'm really enjoying right now. And um, I mean, if I, wanna, you wanna, if I wanna be an elite warrior is the term that he uses. Um, what, what tools and skills are the most important that I focus on and just building that level of awareness um, that we preach day in and day out to athletes as well to help them be present when they're performing. So on that note, have you seen, and I had to pull it up, Simon Sinek's recent video on performance and trust with the Navy SEALs? 
No. Will oh, you send it to me? Yes, I will. So it, it's, it's a fascinating because he talks about what makes them one of the best organizations and, mm -hmm. and how they go about almost on a scale of performance and trust and, wow. and how it's all about the trust factor with mm -hmm. them. Like these are the elite of the elite, but they need to know they can trust you more than anything else, more than your performance everywhere else. And so it's a fascinating short clip where Simon dives into it. Uh, so I'll send you that clip. And oh, for anyone listening, doubt. you can just Google Simon Sinek Navy SEALs and the performance versus trust video will pop up. I saw it circulating on Facebook recently and watched it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is fascinating how, how it that? applies to teams <laughs> and, and corporate America. So um, that's awesome. So let me ask you, once you started diving into this field, who are some people you looked up to? Like, who are the people that you're like, I'm trying to consume a lot of their stuff because I'm just fascinated how they've done it. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and the reason why I say that is, or I laugh a little bit is because when, you know, when I was at Minnesota state, um, I, I was still getting used to kind of like what sports psychology is all about. And I still had a one track mind that I wanted to be a collegiate volleyball coach. So I was still following content from coaches and what's the next drill that I want to do and um, what books are teams reading and things like that, um, that I was so like, so far removed. I don't even think the first, the, my two years in grad school, I didn't even go to our like sports psychology conference, which is like a big no, no. Um, and so I didn't know a lot of people in the field besides Dr. Kampoff, and I was so obsessed with her work. I should say passionate, very passionate about her work um, that, you know, I would listen to her podcast and read her books and just kind of really take that next level of learning up a notch. But after I left IMG Academy, I can, I can say that, you know, Lindsay Hamilton is um, the assistant head of performance there and Duncan um, Simpson as well. And I love following the work that they continuously do at IMG Academy, just because in my mind, at least, it's kind of the elite of the elite um, and how they, how they really integrate and teach uh, mental skills training there. So I was just in Florida last week, so I got to connect with them um, as well and kind of, kind of pick their brains on what's changed since I left and things like that. So um, they, they tweet quite a bit as well on kind of keeping things relevant there. They do. So uh, I'm assuming you did not miss the AASP conference this year. I have not missed it for the last two years. And uh, it's such a fun networking experience. Um, someone recently, a, a new mentor of mine is um, Bernie Holiday, who works with the, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates. And he talks a lot about kind of what you were talking about with Simon Sinek, the, the trusting mindset, the training mindset, the performance mindset, um, and how to really be go into that trust mode when you really need to. So I've appreciated conversations with him in the last few weeks to, to really help me level up my, uh, my content. If you, uh, if you haven't, I, I definitely would love to connect you with Brian Levinson of intentional performers podcast. Um, so Brian and I connected through his show and he, he's fascinated by the, the practice and performance mindset and switching yeah. the, the gears back, which yeah. ties very well into that trusting mindset. And so yeah. Brian's working on a book and, and does a lot of those conversations around it um, in his work as well with teams and whatnot. I was mm -hmm. I asked because I was on, I actually went to Portland that same weekend of AASP. I was on a flight from Dallas because I was speaking about three hours east in a little town called Boardman. I did a high school event one day and then was doing a chamber mm -hmm. A workshop and I was on the plane and talking to this girl sitting next to me it was her and her boyfriend and like three other people that were all college students going for the AASP conference 
And she was like, Oh my gosh. She's like, I'm stressing. Cause I got to get a job now. I was like, you do realize like when I graduated college in 2006, like nobody heard of this, like mainstream conversations. <laughs> and now there's articles online about, Oh, this team is working with the sports performance team coach. And you know, Dr. Campbell's work with the Vikings. It's all very public. And I was like, you are in a better position now than ever. So don't even stress the job side. <laughs> Just know there's more being made almost daily as teams are like, I need this. I, I, I've got to have this. Yes, it's definitely, our field is growing very, very rapidly, um, which is really exciting. And I can't tell you the number of times that I'm actually talking, you know, with a parent and explaining what we do. And they're like, I need that. And my kid needs that. And my brother needs that. It's like so comical to me. And I'm like, well, we're accessible. We can help out uh, in, in whatever way. But to your point, um, yeah, really appreciating where you're at in the journey. But what a great perspective um, that you know, it is good to know that it, how much the field has changed. Cause you're right. When, when you graduated there, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. So we're no, pretty excited. I, I was about to say, and I was similar to you, I was focused sports business and I was looking mm -hmm. at the agent route in the representation world. And, and I know people in that space that have gotten out after years and are doing more mental performance or helping guys outside of that. Cause they're like, I, I didn't enjoy that, but I love working with the players and helping them. And so it's just fascinating to see how the whole space has changed. Let me ask you this just out of curiosity, because I know you do a little coaching still some, don't you on the side? I do. I how do you, you dabble in coaching? So I'm curious, long-term, do you see yourself being like your former coach who has a hand in both worlds where you're able to work with your team and, and still be one of the leading figures in sports psychology? Absolutely. Um, I think my, my newfound dream is, yeah, to get myself to a place where um, I'm still doing that coaching. And the, and the reason why I say that, um, I love the work that I'm doing right now. I do love the relationship aspect that you get from being so engrossed in a team and, and you get that coaching. So I think if I could marry the two, um, whether that's high school coaching or collegiate coaching and be a mental performance coach, I think in all rolled in one, um, that would be the dream. We'll see how that, that progresses over the, you know, the next few years. I got a long ways to go and a lot to learn um, in the meantime, but there is, there's definitely that dream that's out there. Well, it, the learning never stops, as you well know, uh, it, and it's all part of the process, which is, I, I loved hearing you say, because it's not the end point, it's the journey along the way getting to there. So let me ask you, for anyone listening to this, that maybe they're, they're interested in this performance, and they've started down a certain career, and they're like, this is not it, but I'm fascinated how the mind works. What are kind of the things that you recommend to people that reach out? Because I know people reach out to you asking, how do I get into this field? What are things that you always recommend of where they start, at least just learning more about not only the industry, but mm -hmm. the actual process of learning more in that space? Sure. So I think the, one of the best resources to just learn more is actually our um, Applied Association of Sports Psychology's website. I mean, they really break it down on if you, whether you want to become a mental performance coach. Um, we now have a certification route to go through to become a certified mental performance consultant. So that would be a fantastic place to start as it lays it all out for you. Um, but if you enjoy, you know, the constant pursuit of becoming your best, I think, you know, continuously reading, you know, those books that not necessarily are self-help self -help books, but really geared toward what do the elite do? Because there's a lot of content out there that 
um, a lot of research that's been done with whether it's the NFL or the NBA or the NHL, you know, MLB, you name it. Um, they're all, they're all right now really focused about working on, you know, reaching their potential through mental training. Um, so I think that'd be a great place to start. And then, um, for me, I just started really Googling and doing my own research on what programs are out there. Um, you mentioned business a couple times too. There's definitely, um, some really, really great resources for learning either industrial psychology or organizational leadership and psychology tracks and routes. But, um, I think it's a lot more than just reading books. I think, you know, taking your your knowledge up a notch is um, in, in school, really master's or PhD and beyond. Awesome. And, and as always, if you are in a managerial position, ownership uh, position is, is reading and then testing and implementing it with your teams, what's working, what's not uh, throughout that process as well, because you Absolutely. may get some very quick feedback of, oh, this is not Exactly. I need to study and learn this more, uh, which everyone has been there for that case in those conversations. Cass, yes. where, where can people find out? We obviously know you are addicted to Twitter, but where can people best get connected with you? Um, Twitter is the best way to go, or I check my email way more than I should as well. You guys, I need to really put myself on a timer. Um, but you can reach me at my email, which is just Cassie, C-A-S-S-I-E, at mentallystrongconsulting.com. We will link to that in the show notes. If it helps you any, I put alarms in my phone three times throughout the day to check email. Uh, and I was doing really, really well until we hit like holiday cyber black friday cyber yeah. monday shopping and then i was just watching it in case like we had any issues and and one of our team was out and about so <laughs> i get it it's it's a constant but it's it's a it's a training process and a training opportunity for us to practice our discipline and our habits right it is uh, and on the flip side of that too i think you know we live in a world that is so digitally connected and so i think like tapping into that resource is great. But I also think with checking it less and being on it less, I probably would make, you know, some, some deeper connections by picking up the phone. So that's a little self, um, self coaching for myself here. <laughs> and I will say this, we are in, and just to echo that because it's the holiday season and that is what mm -hmm. commercials running right now. We are, we live in such an age where FaceTiming someone is so, so much better than a text message, uh, with family members, with friends you haven't seen in a while. Uh, yes. just picking up that extra phone, making that investment. I mean, we're listening to this. It's, it's ending 2019. How great would it be in 2020 if you just forced yourself and said once a week, I'm going to pick up the phone or I'm going to FaceTime somebody I haven't seen in a year just to catch up and let them know I'm thinking about them. Um, such a big deal to develop those better relationships. Right. And, and we know life is about community and connection. So Cassie, this has been fantastic. So much fun. Thanks for, this is your first podcast, right? It is. It, oh <laughs> yes. So we have been your very first podcast, which is exciting because we're definitely going to have you in 2020 on the Raising Competitor show talking about youth sports and how do we develop some of these skills there. But we'll be linking to your links and social media in the notes. So everybody tweet at her, say hi shoot her an email. Hope you have a fantastic end to 2019. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I had a blast. Can't wait till the next one.
Thanks again, competitors, for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast, your weekly home to cultivating the winning mindset necessary to excel in your work, your workouts, and your life. To connect with the show, learn more, visit CompeteEveryday.com. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. Visit CompeteEverydayPodcast.com to learn how you can get connected with other everyday competitors. Contact the show and find resources to help compete for your best life.